right, Don. Is there any way you can stay on the phone with me until I get somebody there to help you? What's that? Can I ha have you stay on the phone with me? No, I'm no, not that. I'm waiting for them to get here. When they get here, I'm going to shoot myself on my back step. All I'm doing is waiting for them. Hello, Crystal. Hello, Kat. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? Good. Eventually, I think we should just use my my real name, but I just don't want to confuse people. <laughs> like, it Maybe was, we'll phase it in. We could phase it in. At one point, we have to let the cat out of the bag. Oh, my God. How long have you been waiting for that? <laughs> so long. Really? <laughs> You're so dumb. Oh, my God. It was good, though. Oh, it was right. really good. <laughs> well, you know, good morning, okay. everyone. Good afternoon. Good evening. Happy running to the, our one listener who listens to us at the gym. Yes. Oh, and then some people who listen to us on their walk. Some people who listen to us never and then shout Where out to are you? my friend heather who always listens in the car so there we go <laughs> i think we covered everyone mm -hmm. we did okay welcome welcome to alternative interests everybody well do i got another love story for you <laughs> no we need to oh my god this is my assignment for you. <laughs> Find a less horrible story next week. Just so you know. Next time. I, it's impossible for me. Like, there will be times where I'll open up an article and I'm like, oh, someone got murdered. Let me read about it. And then I'm like, oh, that's it? That was like, that's not depressing or horrifying at all. Let me move on to something else. <laughs> So, um, oh, wait, you know, before yeah. you get started, oh, yes, yes, um, can you please <laughs> keep oh, your face in front of your mic? Yes, <laughs> your volume uh, was all over the place <laughs> during uh, Yosef Fritzel part two, really, and editing it is a nightmare. Oh, I, I bet you hated me every minute of that edit. <laughs> Because you go from, like, here to talking over here to, like, talking over here, and you're just, your volume is how How close were you to finding a new co-host at that moment? Not yet. Not yet. That is so not a challenge for you. there's still a chance. Yes. All right. Well, I will be better and I will try to keep it on here. In front of your face. In front of my face. Thank you. You're welcome. And you're going to want me to because you're going to want to hear about this story. I'm going to tell you about Don Spirit. Isn't that a good name, by the way? He sounds very like... Spiritual? Love childy. Oh, he is like the opposite of a love child. I will okay. say that. So let me tell you about, I was going to say, let me tell you about my best friend. But Don is no longer my best friend. And he never was, just in case anybody wants to know. But Don <laughs> Charles Spirit. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this guy. And I just feel like Don was dealt a rough, rough hand at life 
but I also think um, choices, people, right? We make choices. And you either make the right choice or you make the wrong choice. And I think Don was more of a wrong choice guy. So let me tell you about him. I feel like we would not be talking about him if he was a right choice guy. Just observation. True, true. But true. Okay. Yes, you're right. We would not be talking about him. So let me tell you about a little bit about Don. Don was born in 1962 in New Jersey. There's really not much known about his early life. So I'm just going to assume... You know, Don was just your regular kid. Then life kind of started for Don around 1985 when he met Christine Jeffers. They had their first daughter in 1986, and then that her name was Sarah, and then they eventually got married in 1989. They eventually moved to Florida to a little place called Bell. Florida, which is about 40 miles west of Gainesville. I mean, that sounds like cute. Yeah. But I know Gainesville is not the most wholesome city in Florida. No. And Bell, Florida is actually like a tiny agricultural community. And there's, I mean tiny there's only like 453 people there oh wow so it's it's rural there's just fields and it's pretty small um it was there that they had two more children they had their son kyle in 1993 and then their son josh in 1994 now don was the type of guy that really didn't stay out of trouble at all like for most of his life he was in and out of trouble As a matter of fact, by the time he turned 51 years old, he had spent more than 20 years in and out of prison. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and there there are cases that he has dating back to the 1990s. And I mean, it starts with, he has a felony fugitive warrant. He had misdemeanor battery, depriving child of food and shelter, fleeing a scene of an accident. Yes, these are all just like, I mean, this guy, he started his record and then he rode his record hard. Uh, Felony possession of marijuana. I mean, the list goes on and on. And really... In everything I read, people just describe Don as just strange and quiet. And when he was not in prison, he was often just riding his bike around the tiny town of Bell, Florida. Like, he really never held down a job, obviously, because of all these, you know, great choices he was making. And he was just, you know, not, not, uh, how would you describe not a contributing member of society? Correct. Yes. Now, unfortunately, something really horrible happened. And this was just kind of like a turning point for Don. And it was in 2001, in November. He was with his two sons at the Three Lakes Wildlife Management Area. It's like a area where people go hunting. Okay. And it's outside of Kenansville, Florida. And he was there on a week-long hunting trip with, like I said, Kyle and Josh, his two sons. Kyle was eight at the time, and Josh was seven. Now, the reason they went on this hunting trip was because it was Kyle's birthday, and he had just turned eight years old. And 
Kyle was a very, is described as a very sweet boy. When he was little, his mom had a term of endearment for him. Um, and when he was about like three years old, he suddenly told his mom he didn't want to be called that anymore. He wanted to be called Applejacks. So from <laughs> from the time he was like three till he was eight, he was known as Applejacks. They describe Kyle as always active, so full of life. He loved fishing, soccer, basketball, and his dream was to play for the NFL one day. Why do I see bad things coming for oh, Kyle right now? There are horrible things coming for Kyle. Oh. So on this day in November, which was, I believe, November 14th in 2001, he was... Don was on their like last couple of days of this week long hunting trip and him and his two sons, they were walking through the woods and Don said that he was pointing out some rust on the muzzle of his high powered Browning rifle mm -hmm. to the boys and the rifle accidentally fired and hit Kyle directly in the head. Oh my God. So, Why does that sound like the fishiest story ever though? You know what? I, I promise you it's not. It was a 100% complete accident. That is so sad. Like everything Don says, everything Josh says, it was like all uh, just a freak accident. S Don put Kyle into his truck and drove for miles through the dense woods uh, to try to find help. And now they are in the dense woods. Mm -hmm. So this they're in the three, middle of a hunting area. Yeah, they're in the middle of a hunting area. And so, I mean, he kept driving and driving and finally he reached a campsite off of uh, the highway 441 and p police and paramedics were called right away. And then Kyle was already pronounced dead at the scene. Um, after an investigation by police, by talking to everyone that was there, talking to Don, they 100% ruled this an accident. Unfortunately, though, the death of his son was just kind of like the turning point for Don, and it just caused this complete downward spiral for him. Um, I am not surprised. Yeah. And honestly, especially when it's at your own hands... Yeah. In an accident that awful, yes. I don't know how you get over that. Oh, I I don't know how you don't. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to live with myself yeah. if anything like that happened to me. So his wife, Christine, said that this is when he became extremely depressed. Um, I have a feeling they were having problems before. And I also... Um, have a, an inkling that Don probably wasn't the most, you know, patient person before, but there was an incident right after the death of their son where Don smashed his wife's car with a sledgehammer, Ooh. threatened to kill her. People were called to the scene, but since there were no injuries found on Christine, she didn't press any, any charges. Now, unfortunately, as a result of um, the death of their son, and remember, Don was already a convicted felon at this point before, yeah. before his death. So, um, so even though the death of his son was considered an accident, because Don 
had, because of a previous drug conviction, he was already considered a felon. And one of the aspects of his parole was it was illegal for him to possess a firearm. And so when the police finished their investigation, yes, it was all deemed an accident, but then it's like, well, excuse me, sir, why are you going hunting right. with your sons when you're a convicted felon and you're not supposed to be in possession of firearms? Yeah. So um, in 2003, he had to enter a plea agreement. So he pleaded guilty to the possession um, of, you know, having firearms as a convicted felon for a minimum sentence. So uh, he entered a plea before, for that before he went to prison he had reported that he was having like big trouble just coping with everything and this like having being having the prospect of being sent to prison for you know the possession of the firearm after this horrible accident mm -hmm. was like he was trying to tell everyone that this is going to take me over the edge right but again, with the choices, I mean... Exactly. And that's what, what I was saying in the beginning with the choices. So, he tried to convince the court. He was even taken to a mental health facility for treatment. This was actually prior to the plea agreement. Um, he was also on medication. Um, he even stated that the meds were not working and the only meds that would work for him are family. Like he was trying to do everything to not go back to prison. Um, his wife, Christine, even wrote to the court, asked the court to be lenient on him. She also feared, and she wrote this in her letter, that he would just not survive mentally um, having to go to prison again and that he had not recovered from Kyle's accidental death, obviously blamed himself for the accident, had been severely depressed, crying every single day since it happened. She said that he wasn't even sleeping anymore and she didn't want to ever leave him alone for too long because she would fear that he would hurt himself. Um, she also said in her letter that he would just be missing major family milestones, like the fact that their oldest daughter, Sarah, who was 16 when her brother died, but 17 um, at this point, she was having her first child. Uh, Don was going to miss um, that and that their youngest son, Josh, was going to be having a birthday too. And so they were just kind of trying to do everything to, uh, to prevent him spending, you know, a lot of time back in prison. Mm-hmm. But he ended up being sentenced anyways, and he ended up serving three years uh, for that probation violation. Yeah, so that does not surprise me because honestly, in the United States, even today, mental health is not prioritized enough. Mm -hmm. It's not cared enough. I can't imagine how bad it was back then that people are yeah. like, so what? Like, exactly. You're, you're sad. So what? Like, yeah, it's, it's just it's awful that there wasn't some there's not some kind of accommodation because it's not it's not like he could have pled like not guilty for reason of insanity because, yeah. you know, he was 
perfectly lucid when it happened. It was just a horrible freak accident. Yeah. But he's not doing well. So there has to be something like in the aftermath that... I mean, yeah, at least they should have put him in treatment maybe for three years and not... I don't know. Or maybe commit him to a psychiatric facility for the duration because... Well, especially with everything Christine, his wife, was saying that she was seeing. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? I just, I don't know that there's any winning in this yeah, situation. I agree. Now, unfortunately, in 2005, while Don was still serving um, his time, uh, Christine decided to do a complete 360 and she filed for divorce. So she stated that uh, Don um, had assaulted her several times since they were married. Um, that she was just suddenly done, even though prior to his sentencing, she had gone on and on in that letter about how worried she was for him and she didn't want him to go. But that could have also been, um, I mean, I'm not saying I blame her for divorcing him. She probably, once he was gone again, saw the light. And her at losing her child, I mean, that does a lot of, you know, that puts a lot of stress and, you know. I'm actually thinking that... um with all of his felony charges, didn't you say like assault w- was in there as one of mm-hmm. them? And then mm-hmm. his explosive temper, yeah, uh, threatening to kill her at one point, yeah. smashing her car with a sledgehammer. She yeah. may have written that letter because she was too afraid not to. And now that he's, he's away for three years, now she can actually get herself and her child out. Yeah. And she yeah. feels safe getting herself out because what's he, he's in prison. What's he going to do? Exactly. Well, Don was released in um, February of 2006, and as soon as he re- he was released, he wanted to take custody of Joshua, no. their surviving son. I know. Um, he just said he saw himself as the better parent, um, even Excuse though... Me? Yeah, even though after his release, he was still having more violent outbursts and they were even more violent than before. People started noticing that he was drinking more heavily now um, and they felt like he was using the drinking to treat his depression. He was often just on and off his meds after he was released. Um, So the divorce got super ugly once he was released. Um, And then he just decided he was just going to go for it and argue over petty things like the jet skis and their camper. So, I mean, I think, I, I also think, you know, in hearing you talk about why she would divorce him while he was in prison, I think you're right. It was just cleaner that way. But then he got out the following year and he just, you know, he he went for it. You know, if I'm Christine and he's arguing over like the jet skis, I'd be like, you know what? Fucking take them. Yeah. What do you need? for you to leave me and my children alone. I will give you everything. Just leave us alone. Yeah. So in one breath, when Don is saying how he truly believes he is the better parent, he was during this time charged with battery when he punched Josh, his son, because Josh let his friend wear his jacket. And this Josh is like, what, nine or ten? Josh is a teenager at this point. Yeah. Okay, so this is a while later. Yeah. Because he was, what, seven or eight when the accident happened? Yeah. Um, When I was trying to look for information, there's not a lot of information on Josh. And then his age kept getting um, cross-referenced with 
with his brother, the one that died his age. Mm -hmm. So I never got a clear picture of exactly how old Josh was in this time frame. But honestly, he's still a minor. Yeah, he's, he's younger still than a 18. minor. He's, he's not an child. adult yet. Yeah. You don't fucking punch your child. Exactly. And somehow um, he's the better parent. Yeah. And, you know, once Dawn was released and all of this stuff was happening, a lot of family members were saying later that, you know what, they should have just kept him in prison. Like, they should have just kept him there. It would have been better for everyone. Now, one would think that things for Dawn and the family couldn't get worse, but unfortunately, they get much worse after this. So I want to tell you a little bit about their oldest child, Sarah Spirit. So Sarah was the oldest child of Dawn and Christine, obviously. Um, she had epilepsy, I guess, as a little girl and then went through bouts of epilepsy when she was older. But I never read anything where it was like a, a major issue. I think what happened was she had epilepsy when she was younger and it was like noted in a medical record. Mm -hmm. And then I think she knew that and uh, she uses it later on. Um, as just like, a, I have epilepsy, right? Um, but people said about Sarah that she had a good heart. She just had really bad luck with life. Um, like I said, she was around 15 years old or 16 when her father accidentally killed her brother. And then when she, when her father, when Don was in prison for those three years, mom was in the middle of that divorce, right? And going mm -hmm. through that. And I guess mom was kind of MIA there. And so the care for the younger brother fell on Sarah a lot. Oh, that's so tough. Yeah. So Sarah was kind of trying to pick up the pieces there it, she was essentially a surrogate mother yeah yeah because it was just a really hectic time for the family everything was going on um when she was when sarah was 17 she was pregnant with her first child um and by 2006 she had two more children so by the time don got out of prison she already had three kids. So in, she was pregnant when he went to prison. And when he got out of prison, she already had three children. Okay. She had no job. She was always struggling. She lived off of government assistance. And she was also kind of like her dad in and out of court. Um, she had been arrested for various charges already. Theft, battery, illegal drug use and her children were often just dirty or unfed um, oh, that's so sad yeah at one point in 2007 um, they were removed from her custody um, and a private child wealth welfare agency threatened they kept threatening her hey listen we are going to take these kids for good if you don't show some you know positive change and she would say, she would promise change. She would never follow through with that. And then they would never follow through with their threat of so taking like them away. So it's like this vicious cycle of them going, you yeah. better. And yeah. they're going, okay, uh -huh. I will. Okay, will. And then nothing. And then neither side ever really does anything. Yeah. She repeatedly, repeatedly refused services or the need for supervision. Um, and at one point, she does go and live with her dad. But before she started living with uh, Don, she lived with uh, 
a boyfriend that was not the father of her first three children, but because that didn't work out, it was a guy named James Stewart. And um, she lived on a dilapidated shack on their family property. Um, but he was in and out of jail too. And he was sent on charges for battery and um, selling stolen property. Man, this is just like the yeah, cycle it's, repeating itself with her. Yeah. It's so sad. And things didn't go any better for Josh, the younger brother, because he's what? A product of his environment, right? Yeah. And so he was also in and out of trouble. And um, by the time 2013 rolled around, he was already on probation because of a grand theft arrest that happened with him. So again, we talk about kind of like forks in the road, choices where you can go and i think after the younger brother died i think this family kind of they just fell apart yeah which is very sad it happens to a lot of families where there is a horrible tragic loss and the entire family just implodes and they never really recover from it yeah and it's really sad you know yeah this is it's very sad yeah so Don and Sarah actually had a really interesting father-daughter relationship. On the one hand, (laughs) on the one hand, it was nothing gross happens. But on the one hand, it was very, you know, it was very strained, and a lot of people just said this was a very, this was a relationship of just love and hate. you know, on one hand, they were very supportive of each other, and Don was always there for Sarah, and Sarah always, you know, backed up Don and was loyal to Don. And then on in the next, you know, the next day, they hated each other, and Don was saying horrible things about his daughter, and Sarah was saying horrible things about Don. So it was almost like this toxic, strained father-daughter relationship. It makes sense kind of in a situation like this where I'm not a psychology major, but like you see these people who are torn apart by the loss of a loved one mm-hmm. where that kind of that usually will bring a family closer together. They're like, man, we need to cherish each other. Yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, like Don's kind of a, a shit bag. So yeah. I can see why him and Sarah would fight and argue and have this continual like vacillating between being really close and hating each other, but they still are ridiculously dependent on each other Mm -hmm. and they, they need the bad times as much as they need the good. Exactly. And then you can also like Sarah is the only daughter. She's the oldest. There is a huge, uh, not a huge age gap, but there's quite a few years where it it was just Don and Sarah and Christine, right? And before the other two were born. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. And then Sarah wasn't there that day. Yeah. So So there's no memories tied to that. Yeah. And, you know, Josh probably has all these horrible, like, drama from watching his brother get shot in the head. Definitely. And for Don, Sarah existed before the marriage, before the boys. So Sarah is kind of his connection to back when things were good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, basically... Their whole relationship is just this cycle of drug addiction 
and physical abuse because it's like that's all they know, right? All the kids in the family, that's what they're doing and that's what seems normal and, you know, just just what what they're the product, right, of what they're raised in. Right. Um, So in total, the Spirit family had 18 child protective investigations opened on them from 2006 up till 2014. I mean, think about that for a second. Like, these are not visits. This is full out investigations. And each investigation comprises multiple visits and interviews. That is so much attention. And these investigations included every type of abuse or neglect. Like they seriously could have used the family as like a handbook of examples, Um, beatings, burning, medical um, negligence, poor supervision, drug abuse, abandonment, domestic battery. Like it was just every single situation you can imagine that um, child protective services would investigate or would, you know, look into the spirit family was investigated for why were the children never removed from her care exactly that's something that's going to come up later but yeah exactly where where is the failure here and you know we always talk about these cases always kind of bring up the failure in these systems Mm -hmm. like we these and sadly these stories aren't aren't like this isn't a rare story. No, we hear we these this happen all the time where children are just are abused and neglected and horrible things are happening and investigations are opened and people go into and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Right. Over how many years? What is that? Eight years? Eight years. Eight years. 18 investigations Mm -hmm. you cannot tell me there's not like multiple three ring binders full of information on these families sitting in the welfare office exactly and by the way don was directly involved in six of these investigations so six directly involved him one including an investigation of him starting a marijuana grow in the home when children were present or when children were living there um so most of the time the Child Protective Services there, DCF, they would close their cases um, on these invest- on these investigations um, on the promise of Don or Don or Sarah making them that they would promise to do better. So again, slap on the wrist. Don and Sarah, are you guys going to do better? Yes, we're going to do better. Okay, and then case would be closed. What good does that do? I can see maybe. Like the first time for Sarah, the first time for Dawn. Like, yeah. will you do better? Yes, we'll do better. But yeah. then you have to follow it up. Like, exactly. Like, okay, you said you were going to do better. What are you doing to do better? Exactly. And at least for the sake of the children, come on. Or, or what, you know, actually, the thing that makes me more angry, what resources did they give the family to follow through on that promise? I bet you yeah. they didn't give them a damn thing. No, and I even told you they would say, well, she would, she she didn't want, you know, any of these services. She didn't want any supervised, uh, supervised like visits. Uh, well, then, then you take her children away if she right. refuses. So those. maybe, maybe not. I didn't know that was a choice. Visits, yeah, but like, 
did they did they offer to help her write a resume so that she would appear hireable so she can get no. gainful employment no did they offer any kind of therapy resources no or like those are the things that like okay you're telling me you're gonna do better here's a huge array of things that you can do that will prove that you can do better here's all these resources why right. are they it not makes, provided with these things makes no sense um in 2008 there was an incident that happened where um, Don was being physically abusive to Sarah, who was pregnant at that point with her, I want to say her fourth or fifth child. Uh, she told the authorities that she was afraid of her father. He, they had an argument. He pushed her against the refrigerator and kind of like smashed his hands against her face up against like the refrigerator door so like he was kind of forcefully holding her there yeah Um, so like probably like uh, i'm imagining his hand on like the back of her neck or the back of her head like shoving her face against essentially a wall but the fridge exactly and the reason don was so mad is because he wanted sarah to pay for his property taxes So that was the reason to assault his pregnant daughter. Uh, She fled the home. She called 911. Uh, When the deputies showed up with a warrant, um, he, Don Spirit said that he was just going to, I'm just going to take myself out. I'm going to kill myself. And uh, yeah, he was just like, no, I'm not going to go to prison again. Like, I'm just going to I'm just going to commit suicide. Uh, So police had to put on tactical gear because once he said he was going to commit suicide, that meant that he had firearms. Right. Or inferred that he had firearms. So um, they put on their tactical gear and I guess it was like a three hour just back and forth, but Don eventually left the trailer without incident and he was arrested. Um, During that time, Sarah did file a petition for a domestic order of protection against her father, um, stating, I know what he's capable of. She said that her father would make her life hell, knowing that she had called the police and caused kind of the standoff. But then, just like her mom did in 2003... She changed her mind, and before he uh, was going to be seen in court, she made a she wrote the court for a plea for leniency, stating that you know my father is a good person. He's just had a lot of emotional problems. Um, she explained to the judge that her father was just battling his own demons, and she would rather support him than watch him go to jail for beating her up. Um, So that protective order was actually dropped because she failed to show up for the um, hearing for the domestic order. Um, And Don ended up being sentenced to six months in jail on a battery charge. That happened to him in a different incident that same week. Don's got a lot going on. Yeah, Don Don is a Don is a hot mess, that's for sure. He is a busy man. Yeah. Not in a good way. Yeah. Um, then Don goes, you know what? In 2011, he says, I'm going to take my daughter to court. <laughs> so <laughs> in 2011, I guess once he's done with all of, you know, his stuff, Don 
take Sarah to court, accusing her of collecting child support uh, for one of her kids, which was Jonathan. But Jonathan had apparently been living with Don at the time. So he claimed that the money that she was getting in child support for Jonathan really belonged to him. And the judge actually agreed with Don and ordered Sarah to pay Don $6,578 back in payments. And so she was actually supposed to pay him $100 a month. So they did a little payment plan agreement. Now, okay. <laughs> now, so on one hand, he's like, well, I'm taking care of some of my grandchildren. You know, I deserve this money. Um, on the other hand, Don in public just often claimed that he hated his grandchildren and even called them names in public all the time. And so, again, I think like with Sarah, he also had a love-hate relationship with his grandchildren. Um. In 2013, he was involved in another case in which he bruised one of his grandchildren with a belt. Um, and then when they interviewed Sarah about this, she told the deputy that she had seen guns in her father's possession. And again, since he is a felon, this is a violation of parole. An investigation was open. And again, Child Protective Services... Did the, fucking nothing. Did nothing about this. I yes. don't understand. Yeah. The last investigation that would be opened up on the family happened on September 1st, 2014. Um, someone actually made a call, an anonymous call to the DCF hotline. Uh, they reported that Sarah and her boyfriend were smoking marijuana and spice in their shack that they were living on on um on James Stewart's family property okay. around the children. So they sent out a critical incident rapid response team, which is, you know, part of the Department of Children and Families there. Okay. And they visited the family's home. Uh, they found that Sarah and her boyfriend, James, uh, were both on probation at the time, but they were both like admittedly smoking synthetic marijuana in front of their children. When they were talking to Sarah about it, Sarah's like, well, why are you here? Who called you? And they're like, well, we got an anonymous call. So then Sarah started telling them, oh, well, that was just made by my boyfriend's mom. Um, we're in a big fight right now, and she just wants to cause problems for me. So they were like, uh, okay. And then they were like, well, you know what? Your children aren't in you know, in eminent danger oh and God. they don't look sick and they don't look abused or neglected or abandoned. So, you know what? We're good. We're good. So the oh children weren't even removed from the home. The next day, a school counselor called the Department of Children and Families too. the next day uh -huh. to let them know that she had paid Sarah's electrical bill so the lights wouldn't be turned off again. She was really concerned about the kids. She didn't want them to go without electricity again, so she had called to pay for the electrical bill. Again. Keyword, yes. again. Again. So this oh hasn't happened God. before. So then the, the child services were like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should go back and talk to Sarah and James again. Uh-huh. 
So then they went back this time and they were like, yeah, you guys both failed a drug test. You were both on probation. We're just going to take you. We're going to call the police and have them take, take you to jail. So they both were taken to jail. They allowed the children to continue to stay in this dilapidated shack with James's family. Okay. Remember, Sarah and James lived on that property for on and off for the past eight years. When Sarah was released, just a few days later, uh, James had to stay in jail because apparently there was much there was much more going on with James and his charges than Sarah. Sarah was released a few days later. She was kicked out of her home. James's family was like, "We don't want you here anymore." So she was kicked out of their home, and. By the way, if you remember, her brother, her younger brother, was already um, in jail, too, for a grand theft charge. Yeah, so, I forgot he was in jail. Yeah, so now that both of her baby's daddies, by the way, her first three children with her um, other boyfriend, and then her second, her two children, actually, at this point, she had a baby, too, that was only a couple months old, uh, with James, so she has six children in total. She has nowhere to go. Her brother's in jail. Um, all of the fathers of her children are in jail, so she had no choice but to move in with her father with all six of her children. Where is her mother? I have no idea. Uh. At that point, Don was already like now people were thinking, I think we think Don's bipolar, right? And um, he was unemployed. He rarely left his, it was like kind of like a rundown double wide on a property there. Okay. Um, he rarely left his home. So Sarah and all six of her children moved in and then things just went from bad to worse. I think we already hit worse. So oh, we're going to hit much, much, much worse. So buckle up. So everything goes down on September 18th, 2014. Remember, it was September 1st. So 17 days before this, when that last charge or last investigation by child services was opened up right. on the spirit family, right? On Sarah and her boyfriend. Granted, it had nothing to do with Don, but still, right? Right. So that means she's been in Don's house with him for... For probably two, two and a uh, half weeks. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Although she, yeah, she was in, she went to jail like for a couple of days around September 3rd, but then she was out in one or two days. And so, so yeah, maybe she had 10 been with, days she's yeah. been in Don's house. Uh -huh. Okay. Not very long. Okay. Um, so on September 18th, 2014, at 4 p.m., Don calls. 911. Now you are going to hear the entire 911 call because I feel like it's important to hear everything he's saying. Gilchrist County 911. What's the address of the emergency? Yes, ma'am. I, I um I just shot my daughter and shot all my grandkids, and I'll be sitting on my step. And then when you get here, I'm going to shoot myself. What is the address that you're at, sir? 2550 Northwest, 25 Paris, downstairs. There, there are, every one of them are dead. Uh, you said your name is Don Spirit? Yep. All right, Don, what kind of gun do you have? 
It doesn't matter what kind of gun I got, they're all dead, and then when you get here, I'll shoot myself, and then you figure out what kind of gun it is. How long did this happen, Don? I, I, I don't want to hear it, man. I'm done with all, every fucking thing. Just bring the motherfuckers out here, that's all. We got all the kids are dead in the house. Okay, how many people? Okay, how many people? Six kids, one adult. Six kids and one adult? Yeah. One of them is a baby. Alright, Don, is there any way you can stay on the phone with me until I get somebody there to help you? What's that? Can I ha have you stay on the phone with me? No, I, no, not that. I'm waiting for them to get here. When they get here, I'm going to shoot myself on my back step. All I'm doing is waiting for them. Are you sitting on your back steps? Yep. Did you hear that 911 operator at the end? Very she was quietly, like, quietly. Yeah, she's, she's like, like, I, I need, need help. help. Yeah. <laughs> like, she was probably trying to wrap her brain around everything Don had just said. And that, you know, that's pretty tough to listen to. Um, and in case you didn't hear it, although, uh, you know, this 911 call, as opposed to other 911 calls, is very clear, right? Sometimes you can't hear what the other person's saying, but Don calmly says, I just shot my daughter and shot all of my grandkids. I'll be sitting on my steps. When you get here, I'm going to shoot myself. That is so sad. And I have to give like major props to this 911 operator yes, because she is calm getting all this information and the only time you hear her break and you know that Don doesn't hear this yeah is when she asks for help and yeah. you know that's because she's like in the background like uh, yeah I need a supervisor and they well, get over and she's like I need help and she sounds so calm right at the start of it and when you hear her say I need help like it's almost like a different person she's like panicked right she but does she, sound very panicked and honestly I don't blame her exactly I that's one like, of those like like, yeah. what, what do you what do? The what the fuck? Yeah. 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 Almost like she couldn't believe what she was just hearing. Anyways, nine minutes after that call, a deputy made it to the scene. Um, when he got there, he found Don pacing outside the home. At that point, Don was unarmed. He didn't, he wasn't holding a gun or anything. The only thing okay. he had was uh, what they described as a jug of water that he was holding. Now, the deputies were already very familiar with the house, right, for all of the domestic violence and the criminal history. So it was kind of like an old friend coming to visit, you know, Don, basically. I mean, so, I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, but, but you know what I'm saying. They're like, but they're you know, familiar. They're like, Don, what's going on? Right. And yeah, so, probably approaching him very carefully yeah. and in a friendly way. They're like, yeah. hey, Don, what's going on? Yeah. Tell us what's happening. Come step away from the house. Come talk to us down here. Yeah. So Don told the deputies, I quote, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the Stewarts. Colleen Stewart has turned Sarah into a whore and drugs and I'm fed up with the whole family the Stewart family they've ruined my life they've ruined my life and I'm just tired of them all and I've taken care of it today end quote what 
Then he disappears into the back of the house. He returns with a semi-automatic shotgun. Why did they let him go? I don't know. And he shoots himself in the head. Oh, my God. And all of this was caught on video and audio via From the dash cam. The dash cam. Oh, my yes. God. Yeah. So the deputies immediately searched the house. Why? Why did the deputies let him walk away? I know. They, I don't know. They knew, they knew that he that said he, he said, told the 911 operator he was going to shoot himself. Right. But also, Don has said this before. Don has said this before, right? He has said, like, when he was arrested for the assault on... It's a little different when it is. he's also saying that he just killed his entire yeah. family. Yeah. Like, maybe you don't want to let this guy walk away from you. Exactly. Oh, Which my they God. only confirmed when they searched the house and they found the bodies of Sarah Lorraine Spirit, who was 28 at that point, and her six children, Caleb, who was 11... Kylie, who was nine years old, Jonathan, who was eight years old, and then her three children that she had with James, Stuart, Destiny, who was five, Brandon, who was four years old, and sweet Alana Stewart, who was only three months old. I'm at so the time. angry. Yeah. Now, um, they discovered Sarah's body half covered up by a tarp outside in the back of the house. She was not only shot in the head, but she was also stabbed six times. Oh. And they determined that she also had some blunt force trauma to the head that it looked like it, she was pistol whipped, basically. Oh. Um, and, I, and they believe he pistol whipped her out back before he shot her in the head and then stabbed her six times. Then they found the children's bodies in different locations in the home. They determined that the youngest, uh, the baby died from a, a gunshot wound to the torso, and the five oldest had died from gunshots wound, gunshot wounds to the head. So and the baby was the only one not shot in the head. Uh, and that gun... Not a quiet gun. Mm -mm. But this is a rural community, a rural area. I'm more thinking of the children in Ugh. the house. No, don't e I don't even, I can't, I can't. I'm just, I'm so mad. He had to have done, he had to have gone oldest to youngest is all I can determine. I don't, I don't even care what order yeah. he did it in because yeah. like, it's just fuck the, him. Yeah. But I'm angry that the police showed up and treated this like a, oh, he's crying wolf kind of thing. Like, that is bullshit. Every time you go on a call where someone is saying that I'm going to kill myself or I have killed someone else, you treat it as it is 100% serious. Yeah. I don't care if this is your fifth time today visiting this person well, saying never they're mind, doing this. Never mind that. How about the fact that all of those child protective investigations yeah how many chances they had from 2006 till 2014 up until days when this happened to take those kids somewhere else uh, i know i said last was it last week two weeks ago that i i said i like the infuriating cases but like <laughs> oh my god I didn't do the research on this one, so yeah. I didn't have a week to fester. I'm like, no, I have well, an good. hour. You good? <laughs> Ugh. 
So, um, by the way, not that it matters, but he used a forty-five caliber handgun. They determined um, for all of these. Yeah, um, that's it, fucking loud. Yeah. Oh, those poor kids. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about motive because people are like, we like you'll you'll find out that the people in town who heard about this right away never expected this from him, especially with what had happened to his son, right? And how torn up he was about it. They what? never expected all of what, you know, Don to kill his daughter, much less all six of his grandchildren. So here's the motive. Uh, the police believe that this was all just misdirected anger. So the great, so remember in that rant that he was, you know, spewing to the deputies when they first got there, he was talking about Colleen Stewart. Colleen Stewart is the great aunt of the three youngest victims um, who were all children of James Stewart. Mm-hmm. So Colleen was actually at the trailer or at the house the day before the murders. And she was trying to collect money from Sarah. Like a, hey, you mooched off us and I want you to pay me no, back kind of thing? kind or? of like this was a situation where I think Colleen had gotten Sarah into the business of exchanging her body oh. for money. So, um, Don was really mad that Sarah was unemployed and started performing sexual acts for money. And he claims that Colleen had gotten her in to this kind of line of, of business. But Um, we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. So specifically a Hispanic man named Jose from Trenton, according to the investigation, Sarah was paid $95 over two days, September 16th and September 17th. So apparently she was working on those two days. And um, Don was upset because he believed that this new business venture of Sarah's was introduced to her by Colleen, right? So we know for sure that she was doing sex work, but we don't know if she was in prostitution exactly okay Uh, Don was especially mad not just because his daughter was now into this type of career but that she was having to give some of her earnings to Colleen which honestly sounds like prostitution to me exactly and I know I know someone is going to get mad that I'm using that word but I, I have heard from people in the sex work community. Sex work applies to all of it, but prostitution is coerced. Um, so I feel, and prostitution is kind of the human trafficking angle of sex work. Mm-hmm. So if, if Sarah is giving a cut of her money to Colleen. Colleen's basically sounds- her pimp. That's what it sounds like. Or, yeah. I mean, Colleen could be a bottom bitch, but I, it just sounds like Sarah is caught up in some kind of prostitution ring. Exactly. And I think Don knew that. And that's where most of Don's rage was coming from, is the fact so that he believed Colleen turned his daughter into a prostitute. And so when she was there the day before the murders to collect her money from Sarah, Don got super angry, had a major outburst, told Sarah that her kids weren't worth a shit, 
um, tell someone to come get them because I don't love them. I hate them. What? Yeah, he was saying. Okay, so if he's so mad at this situation, why does he not take it out on Colleen? Exactly. I don't know. Instead of his daughter and all six of his grandchildren. Yeah. So reports say that he apologized after that and explained that he was stressed out. The reason we know this is because I believe James, um, one of James's cousins, lived with Sarah as well in the house with Don um, when she moved in with her children. And so Mm -hmm. um, she was a witness to kind of this altercation and this, you know, fight. And she was just lucky that she wasn't there when the whole thing well, went down. Well, she 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 had already moved out at that point. I think she lived there the first couple of days with Sarah, and, and maybe his outburst kind of it, scared her off. That's exactly what happened. His outburst okay. scared her off, so she went back to the family property. Um, he. It was also reported that he said, like when all of this was going down, when the talk of prostitution, he he said very adamantly that his kids were not going to live this kind of life. They're not his kids. Exactly. So um, his ex-wife, Christine, when the police talked to her afterwards, she just kept saying, I told you guys he was bipolar. Like I so told you. So she magically resurfaces yes. now when her whole uh-huh. family is dead, but she, she couldn't even, take in her daughter. Yeah. She even claims that she had made an anonymous report to uh, child protective services. Lies. Like a couple of years before that, telling them about the guns and about oh how Don shouldn't be around her grandchildren and all of that stuff. Well, if you don't want him around your grandchildren, go save your grandchildren, please go take them. Yeah. Um, anyways, reports also indicate that Don may have been smoking spice that day. Um, I wasn't able to, uh, to see any reports that confirmed that through autopsy or any of that, but they did note that he had been off of his meds for about a month or two. I feel like the meds probably have more of an impact than spice would. Yeah. I thought, I know that we sound dumb because we're talking about spice again and we know, know. how that went the first time. <laughs> um, I thought that a spice high is way shorter. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I know hookah is like a 10 or 15 minute high. And marijuana lasts different amounts of time depending on the strain and what type and whatever. Yeah. I thought spice was a shorter high. I I think it, it could be a shorter high, but I think it's a stronger since it's synthetic. And maybe stronger than hookah, but yeah. not stronger than marijuana, I don't think. I would suspect it's stronger than marijuana. I just don't know the length. Well, I'm going to go snort some nutmeg, and then I'll let you know. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> then, then we'll figure it out. <laughs> Needing so, orange for a week. <laughs> when the news of these horrific murders spread through the small town, everyone obviously was shocked and devastated. And like I said before, even though Don, you know, was r- rough around the edges, I guess, um, no, one, <laughs> no one really thought he was ever capable of this. Um, as a matter of fact, 25 grief counselors were sent to the local schools in the Gilchrist County area, including like a lot of them um, were sent to the one school that was attended by most of the victims because we had a kindergartner, a second grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader 
Uh all in school there. So teachers, students, everyone was just devastated by this. The teachers, even, you know, when police were talking to them, said that they clearly recall seeing the children, you know, saying goodbye to them, getting them on the bus at 3 p.m. Like it was a normal Thursday and Mm -hmm. then hearing of their murders less than 90 minutes later. God, that's so hard. Yeah. Uh, The kids were mostly described as happy-go-lucky and for the most part, they were good kids, but Obviously, there were signs of abuse that were Uh being reported because teachers are mandatory reporters. So the teachers were reporting this, that the kids frequently had head lice. So they missed a lot of school a lot of the time because, Uh you know, once one kid gets it, the other one gets it. And then, you know, and if you're not and if you don't take care of it properly, it's hard to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the little girls had lost all all of her teeth to rot. <gasps> yeah. And sometimes the kids were actually caught stealing food because they were so hungry. That's so sad. And I feel like if I was working at the school and I saw these little kids stealing food, I'd be like, you know what? I didn't see a thing. Yeah. And I think that's how they treated it, but they still reported the fact that these kids are hungry. Right. You know, and I'm sure they they gave them everything. Yeah. And you know, me being person I am if I was I could not be an elementary school teacher Uh uh-huh because if I saw a kid coming in and I saw them stealing food and being like sickly and very obviously hungry I would be the one coming to school be like oh look at my leftovers from last night yeah no one to oh what do I do (laughs) like yeah it yeah it's hard the aftermath of all of this, there was obviously, because what cases like this do, although I wish they wouldn't wait for a case like this to kind of look at the gaps in services like this or where we're failing kids like this, is that uh, the DCF had a major overhaul. After the, I was waiting for this. Yeah, I was hoping this was coming. After the murders and the info about all the records and the visits and how many visits they that family had. Um, the DCF secretary at the time, Mike Carroll, he ordered a retraining of all staff, a major overhaul of all departments. Did um, he also resign because he's dumb and no, a horrible organization? he didn't resign. He, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, demanded a review of all open investigations involving... Oh, good children um three and younger so he wanted those to all be reviewed i know i don't know why not all children Um, yeah or or you know like 12 and younger yeah exactly i feel feel like there's i mean 12 is still i mean any child any child how about all of them all the investigations involving any of the children let's let's look into every investigation i mean that's honestly i think i've said this before Social services and welfare, especially when it comes to children, they're understaffed and overworked. Yeah. And while they're reinvestigating all this stuff, you know, new stuff is coming in. So I can see from his perspective that he's going, man, we do not have the manpower for this. We don't have the budget for this. Maybe his initial was like, let's start with the three and younger because those are priority. Mm -hmm. And then... And then we'll move it up to like the five and younger and then seven and younger and just move it up. So but that again, not- I, I don't understand why they have to wait for a gap 
uh, why they have to wait for something this horrible to happen to before kind of something s- like this happen before some yes exactly he also ordered the training for um 1600 child protective investigators and supervisors statewide like new ones yeah new ones cool mm-hmm. and then he increased the implementation of the rapid rapid safety feedback and this was a process that um it was kind of like quality assurance you know so um it was a specialist to oversee a cps investigation in real time so it's oh, not okay. like an investigation would be open and once these quality assurance people got to it they got to it it would it is a case is open and then the quality assurance is like watching every step of the way. Yeah. So it's not like after it's closed, they get to see oh, exactly how did we do? How, did we do? how are we doing? Exactly. Which is awesome. Okay. Then yeah. in 2015, child services and um, two private companies settled legal claims that were filed against them and by on the behalf of the estate of uh, Sarah and um, her children, um, and they agreed to pay seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That doesn't seem like a lot. No, the DCF uh, was going to pay four hundred and fifty thousand of that, while the two private companies, which were Partnership for Strong Families and Devereaux, these were the two um, companies that were helping the state manage child welfare cases, their payout, uh, what they needed to pay out was $250,000 and $50,000. And these payments, like I said, they went to the estates of Sarah and her children, which were handled by Inez uh, Kluman, which was the great-great-grandmother of the three older children. And then Christine Jeffers, also known as Christine Spirit, Sarah's mom mm-hmm. and uh, grandmother of I don't think the Christine children. should have seen a dime of that. I don't either. And you know what? There was also a GoFundMe set up um, by Christine's best friend for funeral services, which I mean, it got like about. when I looked up the GoFundMe, but all of that money was used towards funeral services. And as a matter of fact, um, Christine did do a lot as far as um, they started a foundation called Bell's Angels, which helps, you know, protect children and children from domestic abuse situations. And she also, the grave site where the children are buried and Sarah is buried is actually, it's it's pretty beautiful. And they're all buried in one plot together. All, oh, uh, that's really sweet. All seven of them. And they all have headstones. And it's, it's actually, I'll put a picture of it in our Instagram um, so you guys can see, but, uh, but yeah. Are they near where, um, I forgot his name. Don? The youngest brother. Oh, you know what? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I, it would be nice if they it were. Would. I I'll understand if they're not. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. You know, I also read that, you know, for, for as bad as we're kind of, talking about Christine, you know, I didn't really look up her situation or, or what she's doing. I know she's done good things out of, out of the tragedies, especially like Mm -hmm. with her, when her, her first son 
was killed. She, he, I guess he loved to ride his bike and she kept all of his bikes and then start, started some sort of like, um, neighborhood bike share thing or like oh, it was cool. a, it was a neighborhood fundraiser to get little boys bikes. I don't know. I didn't read much and, into it, so I could totally be wrong, but, um, it was something like that. Right. And you know, I mean, it could have gotten to the point that she was hel- helping her daughter so much. Yeah. That she was finally like, I can't help you anymore Uh if you're not helping yourself. Or, you know, other things that I have heard is family members are like, I will help you if you do this. So it's like, you can come live with me. All your kids can come live with me. But you need to get a a real legitimate paying nine to five job. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe she wasn't about that. And she said, well, no, I don't I don't want to get a job. So she didn't accept her mom. Like, we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And and for as much as I want to shit on Christine, um, I, I don't know, you know, the circumstances that she was working with. And all I know is that, you know, Sarah had a very strained relationship with her dad, but that didn't keep her away from her dad. So if... I don't know what kind of relationship she had with her mom, right? Yeah. And she was, and Sarah was loyal to her dad. So maybe it was a thing where, you know, Christine was like, like, just leave your dad, you know, like stay away from him. And Sarah was probably like, no, I love my dad. I don't know. We, we don't know. So anyways, that is the unfortunate story of Don's spirit. I'm so mad. <laughs> I hope so. While while we were talking about yeah. this, I didn't know that there are private companies yeah, that deal with welfare. Stuff. I didn't know either, but there there were two that uh, help the state manage child welfare cases. I guess I'm not I, sure how I feel about. that. I don't know how I feel about that too. That's kind of like contracting in. Yeah, because um, you know maybe I don't, private I don't know. maybe private companies get more money. And so when they contract them in, there's a, I don't know. No, they wouldn't get more money because when you're working for the government, it's done on a bid process and lowest oh. bid gets it. Um, I I don't know. Because, you know, private jails, pretty shady. And then I don't know if you're aware of this, but the ICE Detention Center in Tacoma uh-huh. is run by a private company. Oh, I did not it's, know that. Yeah, they're a private company that's contracted through um, through ICE uh-huh. to do this. And they're actually under several lawsuits right now. Oh. Like the private company is. I did not know that. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably have heard about this. Mm-hmm. There are some details that I'm not allowed to talk about with this. As soon as this... Um, this one particular lawsuit is over and done with. I would love to talk about it. Um, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned this on the show. I was involved in a private um, panel group for one of these trials. Essentially they present the case to you and uh, it's, it's to help. I, I honestly think it was someone from the prosecution based on the questions they asked mm-hmm. at the very end. But basically, they come in and they give you all the information and then they ask us questions like, what are your initial thoughts? What more information do you need to make a decision on this? Oh. Um, so as soon as this lawsuit is done, I don't think it's going to be done anytime soon. I would love to talk about this because 
man, was it interesting. Have, I'm have not at to talk it. About it. Yeah, because I know nothing about any of that. Speaking of things that I don't know about, I can't tell you how many times my mom listens to the podcasts and sort of insinuates how much I don't know and how much you know. <laughs> It sort of I, it sort of brings me flashbacks to my childhood. Like, well, <laughs> David is better at this than you are. So, just letting you know, uh, my mom appreciates all of your knowledge, oh and I'm just here to read about the cases and interpret what I read. You're welcome. So, I'll share this with you and our listeners that this is going to sound odd, but I am so good at um, research and retaining knowledge and knowing the most obscure shit because of childhood trauma. (laughs) And And you laugh, but I'm being serious. I am good at researching and spewing out a story with uh, mispronounced words (laughs) and probably false information, but at least I'm funny. (laughs) I'm not funny, and I know I'm not funny, so that's okay. (laughs) You don't have to be funny. What would you, okay, I know the things. Here's a would you rather. Would you rather be smart or funny? I'm going to go with smart. <laughs> and you know, um, but we balance each other out very well. So we it works. do. And I appreciate that because I think the other thing about me is uh, because I'm, I'm kind of like a jack of all trades when it comes to knowledge. So I know a lot about a lot. I know a little about a lot of things. But I don't know the in deep details, but I am very, very good at delivering it like Uh I know what I'm talking about. And I know a lot of things about very little. (laughs) (laughs) And you're very good at sounding like you don't know what the hell you're saying. Exactly. (laughs) Ask me about the real housewives and I'll sound like a scholar. But ask me about other things. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god. Okay, well that that actually helped to like lighten up the tone yes, of this cuz I'm cause we're going to stop horrible. recording and I'm yeah. going to go scream, yeah. but <laughs> that was a horrible story. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. So, that's uh, that's you know, something I'm good at is finding the real depressing stories and this sharing isn't depressing. them with I'm you. I'm just I'm mad. So, yeah, all it's of awful. you, you know, um if you're if you're in the gym right now, take a moment to scream, you know, the big muscle men in the corner are doing it anyway. <laughs> Um, maybe don't yell in traffic because road rage and people will look at you funny or unless, you know, turn some music up loud and just, um, uh, five finger death punch is a good metal. <laughs> Listen to that. Sing along with it. Um, if you don't know the words, just yell. It's okay. Uh, if it's morning, I'm sorry, cat ruined your day. If it's evening, I'm sorry, cat ruined your dreams. <laughs> And if it's your life, sorry, cat ruined it. If it's your life. <laughs> so, uh, Jesus, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. And we'll see you all next week when it's my turn to make you mad. <laughs> Good, but very mad in a very knowledgeable way. I will try. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, 
So please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other and we'll see you next week. Thank you.